Blog Talk Radio. It's the Speedway Show, an idea exchange empowering us to live well, live fully, and love deeply. And now, here's our host, Speedway. of the Speedway Show. This isn't really a show. This is just a moment that we're going to take. Welcome, welcome, welcome to all Americans and people living in the United States. Happy 4th of July. It was on July the 4th, 1776, during the American Revolution, that the 13 colonies officially seceded from the British Empire by signing the Declaration of Independence and creating a new union of their own. Interestingly, historians have argued over whether this is really the right day to celebrate since the Second Continental Congress actually voted to approve the Resolution of Independence on July 2, 1776. In fact, one of the founding fathers, who later became the second president of the United States, John Adams, uh, wrote a letter to his wife, Abigail, that was uh, later recovered, um, in which he said that actually July 2 would be celebrated in future years in commemoration of American independence. It appears, though, that the reason for celebrating on July the 4th is that while Congress might have approved the resolution on July the 2nd, the Declaration of Independence itself was actually uh, signed and is dated July the 4th. Go figure. And speaking of, and by the way, if you want to see a copy of the Declaration of Independence, you can visit the um, posting for this show on speedway.com and you will see it, Uh, or at least you will see a link to it. And speaking of founding fathers, did you know that both John Adams and Thomas Jefferson uh, who were the, were the only signers of the Declaration of Independence who later served as the second and third president of the United States, respectively? Even more interesting than that, both of these men died on the 50th anniversary of the Declaration of Independence. By the way, so that was July the 4th, 1826. Both of them died that day. Uh, And by the way, John Adams is not to be confused with John Quincy Adams, who was the sixth president of the United States and the son of John Adams. So in modern day, we know about George H.W. and George W. Bush, but actually the Adamses were the first father-son presidential family. 
Another founding father was James Monroe. Now, you might be thinking, why is he significant? He didn't sign the Declaration of Independence. No, he did not. But he was the fifth president of the United States, and he, too, died on July the 4th, 1831, becoming the third president who died on July the 4th. Go figure. The 30th president... Calvin Coolidge, was the only president of the United States who was born on July the 4th. Go figure. So, you know, when I see all this July the 4th stuff, I mean, we've only, we haven't had that many presidents. So out of, um, what is it, 44 presidents, we've got uh, one, two, three, four who either were born or died on July the 4th. I start to think, well, maybe that's God's way of saying, no, 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 it was July the 4th. Watch. <laughs> Let me confirm it for you. So anyway, that would be, uh, that's, that's, that's the world according to Spiway, Spiway logic, if you will. Uh, but anyway, uh, Juneteenth, uh, we cannot discuss American independence without talking about Juneteenth. For those of you who don't know what it is, Back in 1777, um, independence from the British did not actually mean that all Americans were free, because you remember that it was, on, uh, it was in 1776 that the Declaration of Independence was signed. Well, even within a year after that, not everybody was free. If you remember from those of you who took American history, you may remember that um, President Lincoln later signed the Emancipation Proclamation on January 1, 1863, freeing the slaves. And uh, by the way, I would suggest, if you haven't watched it, um, uh, watch the movie entitled Lincoln. It came out, I think it came out last year. I'm going from memory now. But um, it's a Steven Spielberg production, and it was just a, I'm not a big history movie buff, but uh, I watched this movie on the recommendation of several of my colleagues, and I have to say, it was a very well put together story that captured the nuances and all of the complexities within which Lincoln had to maneuver in order to pass the 13th Amendment. And it, it also gives some, some, some flavor into why he did it the way he did it, because there's some people who say, well, actually, Lincoln only freed the slaves so that he could gain control over the southern states and take away their economic power. There are others who say, oh, Lincoln is the greatest president in American history. He freed the slaves because he cared about, you know, civil rights, and he was the first true civil rights leader that we ever had, blah, 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 blah. And this movie brings those two concepts together in a way that, you know, I hadn't previously appreciated. And it gives an insight into Lincoln's thinking. He gave an extraordinarily... Um, eloquent uh, 
it wasn't a speech. It was more like an insight into his thinking and his thought process for why he did what he did. Because actually, as it turned out, in order to gain the cooperation of the South, Lincoln didn't have to free the slaves to do it. But um, he basically had to use the war powers given to him under the Constitution to pass the 13th Amendment, and he wanted an amendment so that it could not be overturned later and the slaves go back into slavery. And uh, so it's just fascinating what his thinking was for, for why he did it the way he did it. But in the end, it was just a really brilliant articulation of, of what I think is mostly historical fact. But anyway, uh, I digress. Anyway, so Lincoln signs the Emancipation Proclamation on January 1, 1863, freeing the slaves. Guess what? Um, having done that, now, if that was a fictional movie, we would have all celebrated and we would have gone on our merry way and declared victory. But uh, as it turns out, no one bothered to tell the slaves in Texas that they were free. Yeah. I'll let you come up with your own reasons for why that was. But anyway, lots of excuses have been, you know, have been put forward since then. But it wasn't until June 19, 1865, that the Union soldiers landed in Galveston, Texas, with news that the war had ended and that the slaves were free. The document was General Order Number Three, and one of the uh, and one of General Gordon Granger's first orders of business was to read it to the people of Texas. It began as follows. The people of Texas are informed that in accordance with a proclamation from the executive of the United States, all slaves are free. This involves an absolute equality of rights and rights of property between former masters and slaves and the connection heretofore existing between them becomes that between employer and free laborer. Now we applaud today, but you can imagine the variety of reactions, right, um, from shock and horror to absolute jubilation. Because on the other hand, uh, on one hand, if uh, you were the slave master, you probably already knew that. And uh, now you were probably kind of mad that somebody had told you were a slave. And if you were the slave, your first inclination might have been to celebrate, and then you thought, Wait just a minute. That was two and a half years after the Emancipation Proclamation was signed. It was 86 years after the Declaration of Independence. Uh, and, and by the way, in the Declaration of Independence, one of the very popular and most quoted uh, sentences and phrases is, in fact, one that Martin Luther King reiterated, which was, that all men are created equal. And how interesting 
that having said that, um, that was not at all the case because at the time, uh, women and black men and women were not considered people. They were considered property. I think at that time that women might have still been considered property because they couldn't vote in Lincoln's time. So anyway, um, you can imagine how you might have felt in that situation because, uh, you know, just think about how mad you would have been to find out that actually you had been free for two years, and here you are still literally slaving away for master so-and-so. But, hey, there you have it. All that to say, if you don't already know, Juneteenth is the oldest known celebration commemorating the end of slavery in the United States. And, of course, you know, things didn't exactly go skyrocketing upwards since then, but uh, we are now in a much better position than we used to be. Moving on with our celebration today, I was recently in the federal building in Columbus, Ohio. I was actually there for mediation. And uh, when I'm in federal buildings, oftentimes they have all sorts of interesting historical facts. So I, I encourage you, if you, ever, if you ever find yourself in a courthouse, uh, take a look around at the stuff on the walls because it, it will tell you volumes about that particular courthouse, about the history, about sometimes the history of the locale where you are, but also sometimes the history of the United States. So in the Columbus Federal Court, uh, Federal Building, uh, one of the walls was lined with old American flags because, you know, they, they didn't start out looking like the flag that we have today with the, with the stars and stripes because, as I said, we started out with 13 colonies and there were lots of different designs that were contemplated for how best to represent the, you know, the new union. But anyway, in the, the federal building were several old iterations of U.S. flags and the stories that went with them. One story that grabbed my attention in particular was the story of John Paul Jones, and I'm going to share it with you because there was something that he said and there was something that he did that I think all of us should um, aspire to doing. So this fella was born, actually he just missed uh, the 4th of July by two days. He was born on July 6th, 1747, and he died on July 18th. 1792. So I guess, you know, God decided you will leave uh, the same month that you came in. But uh, John Paul Jones was a Scottish sailor and the most well-known naval fighter in the American Revolution. He was best known for his brave and successful fights in British waters during the American Revolution. Um, to the point where he is sometimes, in fact, referred to as the father of the United States Navy. Wow, what a, ain't that a title, some kind of title for you. But in one of his battles, I thought this was such a good expression of his personality and his attitude uh, because it came through in a way that I think is instructive for all of us and I think all of us should try and emulate so it happened in the Battle of Flamborough Head. And uh, Jones was sailing a ship called the Bonhomme Richard when he came into conflict with the HMS Serapis, which was a British ship. 
So remember, this is the American Revolution. The, the you know the the people who now call themselves Americans, right? Who were British, many of them at the time, Europeans. Um, but this is where you know the the Americans are trying to get away from British rule. So he's sailing along, he's sailing along. They're fighting all these battles at sea, and he encounters the HMS Serapis, this British ship. So first we, um, you know, so the battle ensues. So first he tries to lock the Bonhomme Richard to the Serapis, to, uh, to the Serapis, but then he just couldn't escape all of the damage that was done to the ship in to his ship in battle. So here we are. It is, you know, the crucial time. The Bonhomme is sinking. It is obviously just absolutely overcome. And um, the captain of the Serapis, as he's watching the Bonhomme sinking, you know, tells him, you know, you need to, I don't know if he said what he said exactly, but the bottom line is he basically says to, to um, Jones, you know, you just need to hang it up because you have lost and uh, why don't you just go ahead and surrender? So we've got the British captain who's feeling quite cheerful and uh, taunting him and telling him it's time to surrender. Your ship is sinking. I mean, what better time to surrender than when your ship is sinking, right? But here is the part about John Paul Jones that so impressed me because um, he's got the sinking ship, and most of us, I think, would have been like, oh, yeah, it's over. Okay, fine, I surrender. And uh, instead, he says, um, I have not yet begun to fight. And uh, he subsequently boarded and took over the Serapis and lived to sail another day. And uh, I just thought that was just the most phenomenal, phenomenal expression of uh, intrepidness and bravery and just the greatest spirit. Those of you who are basketball fans uh, might have been paying attention to the NBA Finals this year. And um, I remember listening to a um, an interview uh, on ESPN where uh, they were talking about the game and they were talking to some of the players. And uh, one of the things that I heard that I thought was, you know, really quite fascinating um, was one of the players said, uh, well, you know, I am, um, I was determined that uh, we were going to go into that game and no matter what happened, uh, I was going to take out my, my, you know, proverbially speaking, of course, he said I was going to take out my gun and I was going to shoot all six bullets and then I was going to throw the magazine and the, um, I was going to throw the magazine and the clip. And I thought, well, see, now that is spirit, right? And uh, that is um, the kind of, the, the kind of spirit that you hear in John Paul Jones when his ship is sinking and he says, I have not yet begun to fight. Let us all be that way. Let us all um, take that attitude and in all things, uh, let us just say, you know, even when it looks like your ship is sinking. And in case you're wondering who that was who said that, it was, it was, uh, it was actually LeBron James when he was interviewed after the game. But, um, you know, let us all take that attitude that, hey, 
Yeah, I don't care if it looks like I should be giving up, but I have not yet begun to fight, and I am going to take up my gun, and I'm going to shoot all the bullets, and then I'm going to throw the magazine and the gun and the clip and everything else, and, and, and that's how much I'm going to give it my all. So that I thought was worthy of some thought. But anyway, um, on to another thought. You know, as we celebrate this July 4th, our thoughts and hearts and prayers must go out to the greatest living icon of the struggle for freedom and independence from oppression who lives today. And that is the amazing Nelson Mandela. Affectionately known as Madiba, Nelson Mandela spent 27 years in prison under the apartheid regime. And he was the president of South Africa from May 1994 until June 
uh, he's 94 years old, as I recall, and uh, he is uh, suffering from a, seems like a recurring lung infection, really. And uh, the last I heard, he was in, in critical condition, and so we um, do need to take a moment to pray for his family and uh, pray for him and uh, that uh, he would be uh, in in hopefully not a lot of pain and uh, that, uh, you know, this man is at peace with all that he has accomplished over the course of his very storied um, and highly publicized lifetime. And uh, because most of us cannot accomplish in, you know, our entire lives what Mandela accomplished in, you know, the 27th that he spent in prison. But we pay tribute to him and all those men and women all around the world who have and continue to make relentless efforts and sacrifices for liberty, justice, and the free pursuit of happiness for all mankind. the end of my July 4th celebration for today. Tune in Sunday for the next installation in our series on international travel tips, where I will be talking about baggage considerations, strategies to reduce check-in time, and the research you need to do about your destination before you go. I have to confess that actually a lot of the things that I've learned about baggage I have learned from uh, my friend, Ben Omarobi, who is like a brother to me, and um, he travels even more than I do. And uh, so he's taught me a lot about uh, baggage handling and how to reduce your check-in time, and he's given me nooks and crannies and places I needed to be aware of on the at the airport to uh, reduce my travel time. So, Ben, thank you very much for contributing your wisdom to the next Sunday's show. You can also visit the posting for the first Travel Tips show that aired last week. And on every single one of the Travel Tips shows after they air, including the first one, you will be able to get a shopping list of my favorite travel props. So if you're wondering, gee, I wonder what Siwa loves to take with her when she travels, go check out the list. Until Sunday, this is Siwa saying go in peace. And wherever you are, whatever country, happy Independence Day. Thank you for joining us on The Speedway Show. Visit thespeedwayshow.com for content and other episodes. Join the fan page at facebook.com slash thespeedwayshow. And follow Speedway on Twitter at the handle The Speedway Show. Until next week, live well, live fully, and love deeply.